Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has run. McKinley Wright Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we're talking about NIL stuff. Um, it's been a minute since we had this talk, and a lot has changed. Uh, the, the world of NIL is kind of insane right now, and the transfer portal and all that sort of stuff. So I kind of just want to talk about where things stand, what's going wrong, and I mean, honestly, I don't have any answers. Like, that's kind of the tough part at this point. Like, it seems like I usually know what I'm doing where it's like, oh, yeah. You know, if you just say you can't take this or... But, like, right now, it's like I don't even I don't even know how to fix it. But who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe at some point today we'll come up with something. At least that's the goal. So there's your plan. I don't think there's anything for news. Do, do, do. I mean, the women's lacrosse team played their first game of the Pac-12 tournament last night. They lost. It was very sad. Um, I think they were down, was it 12 to three? And then they were able to get back to within 14, 10, but I think 14, 10 was actually the final score. So they had, they had five, eight minutes, something like that at the end to like, I mean, finish off the comeback. It was a great run, great effort. Um, uh, but just not, uh, the, the lead was insurmountable, I guess. Um, that's our one note. Oh, also today's graduation day. Um, all the graduation at CU, you guys know who graduates. Um, so congrats to them. I actually had no idea. I woke up this morning to pictures of like, oh, look, here we are on campus. First of all, why is graduation on a Thursday? What is that all about? And I asked somebody and they're like, well, finals go from Saturday to Wednesday, which first of all, what the hell? But then also... Still, though, you couldn't just have two off days before graduation? This is wild to me. Like, wh- how do you... 
People have things to do on a Thursday morning. I, I don't, but most people do. There's got to... I don't know. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. Um, yeah, I can't believe that. Uh, NIL stuff, though. So, the news here, the reason we're talking about it today is because there is a very real and loud push for changes to be made. Any sort of changes. Uh, today, actually, George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, he met up with Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. They went to Washington. They're talking to people in Washington about how to fix this and why they need laws that regulate this. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, we'll see how that goes. At, at the same time, on the other side, there's a, a group of NCA administrators and administrators from different schools who I guess have meetings in Arizona this week. They're working on a, a basically a plan to cut down on the way that NIL is being used now as a recruiting device by boosters. Um, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of weeds to dig into with all that stuff. Um, the overarching difficult part, though, is that when these last few college sports cases have come before the Supreme Court, the NCAA has not only lost, but the decisions have been pretty resounding. You know, it, it does seem like at some point if somebody sues and says, we're employees and we should be getting paid, there's probably a better than 50-50 shot the Supreme Court agrees with them, and that is like the ultimate final nail thing. That That is the one thing that the NCAA cannot let happen. And that's why... I think you see them a little bit nervous to take things to court and nor nervous to crack down on NIL because what happens if you go after, you know, whoever who's a booster, who's paying this and say, Hey, this is, you're breaking this rule. That's not allowed. Where do you wind up if you start taking the, these things to court? Um, and that's kind of the underlying piece here. And on top of that, you know, in California right now, there's basically a pay for play bill that says if, a university is generating twice as much money in a sport than it is giving out in scholarships to the student athletes on that team. They have to pay the rest of them in salaries, basically. Um, and, and you know where that comes from, the framework. And the NFL, the NBA, all the pro leagues, typically half the revenue goes to the players, half the revenue goes to the owners. And I would guess that that's where they got that 50% mark where if, you know, if, if you're a, a basketball team that's bringing in a million dollars a year and you're paying out 500,000 scholarships, you're fine. You're bringing in 200 a year or 2 million a year. Well, then all of a sudden you under this law would be responsible for something. And I'm not sure what exactly it is. And I think they're still working out the kinks um, and there's a good chance it won't even get you know, voted for and then signed and all that sort of stuff. But we are we are not close to the end of this process. I think that's the big takeaway here. Um, if you thought like, oh, this just happened and now look at what it did. It's like, yeah, the effects are not great. But we're who, know, who knows what they're going to be here next year or two years, five years. And, and I mean, that's the other piece, right? Is that the NCAA just moves incredibly slowly. 
And there was the big FBI scandal back in, was that 2017? And it's 2022 now, and they still haven't punished anybody for that? That's how the NCAA moves. Then you throw in all these complicated things, the fact that all of this is just an antitrust lawsuit waiting to happen. Um, Anything where you're taking away the money that the student-athletes have access to, this is a mess. This is a mess. And... You know, we'll, we'll kind of get into some of the details here of, of what's going on and how it could be fixed and what other problems will arise. But I do think that the, the last kind of big key piece here is that the NCAA could have done something about this a long time ago. Um, they, they, they kind of dragged their feet and dragged their feet and dragged their feet uh, as long as they could until, you know, legally you were allowed to to make money off of your name and image and likeness and now there's the trend going toward even more than that if you know five years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago they they had started even if they hadn't implemented rules found a way to make this work they could have at least had a framework for when it happens and then when the the move is made uh, what was it, June 1st of last year, uh, the California bill went into effect, which said colleges or the NCAA or anybody, they can't stop student-athletes from profiting off their name, image, and likeness. And so obviously, like you can't just have that be there. You have to open it up for everybody. Otherwise, there's a clear unfair advantage. I mean, the fact that they didn't have policies in place, that's that's on them. That's on them. You know, Rick George was part of the the committee that that helped to put together proposals, and they had been spending a lot of time figuring out what these rules need to look like, how they would work. Um, but ultimately, those rules were just not implemented. Um, and again, like I get why it's hard to implement those rules because again, if you say, "Well, there's a cap on what a student athlete can make," you can make up to fifty thousand dollars, or you can make whatever, double whatever your scholarship's worth, or whatever. Then all of a sudden, again, antitrust lawsuit waiting to happen. We just say, hey, that's not allowed. If somebody wants to pay me for my work, like, you can't do that. And then all of a sudden it goes to the Supreme Court, and all the Supreme Court decisions have been, I mean, again, not just siding with the student-athletes, but leaving in kind of like just, I, honestly, it kind of seems like they're just bullying the, the institutions um, in, in the responses, just kind of teasing them, saying like, "Hey, when the time comes for pay for play and all that sort of stuff, you know, we they're they're performing a service for you. You're making money off of it. That's a business. When the time comes to ask us whether this is a business or not, and so again, it's just just complicated, complicated, complicated. Um, I think the uh, another piece here, and just to add context to what's happening, I mean. Jordan Addison, the the uh, wide receiver from Pittsburgh, winner of the Bolitnikoff Award winner last year, which goes to the best receiver in the country. Uh, his quarterback, Kenny Pickett, gets drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round, the only quarterback drafted in the first two rounds. Not saying like it's Jordan Addison who made that happen, but a big piece of that story with that quarterback, right? And, and now Jordan Addison's entered the portal because he knows there's money out there for him. You know, he knows that if you're the best wide receiver in the country, which, you know, he, he probably isn't, but he has as good a claim as anybody does at this point, 
somebody's going to give you a lot of money. And the rumor is it's going to be USC because USC, of course, has the money. Um, where does this money come from? Again, a lot of the time it's these collectives. You know, you, you have the, the collective down in Miami. I think it's collective, yeah. Um, the University of Miami collective, that Ruiz guy, the attorney down there. Um, he has it's $10 million. I think he's giving out to student athletes this season. Again, it's for promoting his law firm or promoting this or promoting that. Um, but, you know, they, they brought in a transfer. The University of Miami did a transfer basketball player who I think was promised $400,000. I'm actually not totally sure. I think it was $400,000. Um, and he's going to go and he's going to play for him. And I bet he's going to be great. Well, their best players said, I'm not going to leave unless I get more money. And it's basically a negotiation with Ruiz to say, oh, you're, you, you'll pay this to him? Well, I'm still here. I want this. Otherwise, I'm going to go see if I can cash in somewhere else. And so it's this negotiating with boosters that is strange. Again, with the collective... Uh, he's he's at the he kind of made that collective. There's other people chipping money in, um, but now I th- the estimate is there's over 100 collectives, and there's usually like one at each school that, you know, you have however many people all chip in, and say we're using this for NIL purposes, um, but you know we'll we'll ask them to do charity work or to do some sort of ad, or they're going to do whatever, just some very little thing. Um, you know, you could say, hey, want $20,000 for an autograph signing? Come down here for an hour, you know? But whatever little thing, and because there are no, like, rules, really. Again, like, it's the Wild West in, in that there's just not a generally accepted policy that is overarching over the entire world of college athletics again because it'd probably be pretty easy to poke legal holes in that and win the fight Um, but you know it's just they have to be getting equal value they have to be giving the whoever's paying them money whatever they like an equal value of whatever they get and that's really hard to prove because again like twenty thousand dollars for an hour-long autograph signing that doesn't sound right, right? But also, I mean, what do you, what does Tom Brady get? You know, if you have him come down for an hour, he's going to charge a lot of money for that. And these guys do too. And so it's just really hard to prove, no, that's not fair. You know, that's that's not what's actually allowed. Now, the NCAA, again, is part of this document that this they're kind of writing up right now, it sounds like, and, and will likely release in the very near future. They could be trying to crack down on some of that stuff. And, and really where they have the boosters, the, the part where they are, where the NCAA really has something that they could do about all this is the fact that boosters are not allowed to be involved in the recruiting process. So what does that mean? That means uh, kids trying to decide where to go, booster can't chime in and say, go do this, go do that. Like they're, they're not allowed to, to contact. Um, and if they're reaching out saying, hey, if you go to Miami, I'll give you I'll give you this cash. That's against the rules. Now there's a bunch of ways around that and it's also really easy just to cover your footsteps, but that's one of those very few areas that the NCAA is actually capable of cracking down on. 
Um, so again, there's there's just kind of what's up, and I'm not sure that this is all like a lot of new information for you guys, but I figured before we actually go through and talk about where are we going from here, how do we fix this, just getting everybody caught up on what's going on is an important piece. You know, Arizona State today picked up a quarterback, Emory Jones from Florida. He's been the starter there. Uh, got there's They got a young guy who looked really good last year. It was time for Emory to move on. He's got two years of eligibility left. He goes to Arizona State, and he gets $75,000 in an NIL deal just about immediately. So we'll uh, – it's crazy. It's crazy. And they've probably been hit harder than anybody by NIL. You know, I, I'm, you know, Colorado lost Brendan Rice and Makai Blackman and Christian Gonzalez, but I also haven't seen them endorsing all that much, right? Like, it doesn't seem like – they're getting money now. They could just be still getting money um, without saying much. But you'd think, for the most part, guys are tweeting about something, right? Um, but yeah, there, there's what's up. Uh, real quick, DraftKings Sportsbook is incredible. I'm headed to the Avs game tonight. Um, I haven't made my bets yet. Actually, I've got a. I, I want Nate two points. That's my big one today. Nate scoring two points. Uh, it seems like, I mean, it's Nate in the playoffs. He averages a ridiculous amount of points, like 1.3 per game or something like that in the playoffs. That's my big bet, um, even though I don't know what the odds are. Uh, but get in on that. Get in on all this other stuff. Plus, if you're a new user, you can bet $5 on any NBA playoff game. You'll get $150 in free bets if you pick the winner of that game. It's uh it's an awesome promotion. It's basically free money depending on who you pick. Just don't do something dumb. Uh, and there's also same game parlays if you want to combine different bets from the same game. Those are a lot of fun. Especially if it's just like like that's my move for a random game where if you're just like, "Oh, I'm going to sit here. Sure, the the Warriors have this one. I might as well watch it. I don't have anything else to do. Let's see if I can turn this $3 into $30." And there you go. I mean, that's that's how I do it. But Use the code DMVR to get $150 in free bets after you make five, a $5 bet on a team to win an NBA playoff game, and you're correct. Uh, must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And also, I want to tell you guys about the Avalanche Amber Ale from Breckenridge. They sell them at Ball Arena because, of course, they do. It's called the Avalanche. It's just perfect. Uh, I'm going to be having some of those. It's actually Cinco de Mayo, so I feel like I got to get like a margarita first, then go there and get some stadium beers in me for this hockey game. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, but, yeah, Avalanche and the Avalanche, perfect duo. If you're not into beers, then you can always check out the seltzers as well. If you don't drink, you can go down to the farmhouse in Littleton, get a great meal. Um, just can't go wrong. Uh, use the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website to see where you can pick up whatever it is that you want to try. Um, just throw in your zip code. It'll tell you where to go. Uh, there we go. All right. Um, talking about the future, though, what's going to change? Um, and I figured, again, it's hard to come up with answers here because it's also complicated just about any answer you throw out there you say well until one of the players sues for antitrust and then you wind up saying like yeah it's just straight up pay for play now and that's the way it's going to be um so instead of trying to come up with my own ideas because i really don't have any um i guess before we get into this 
I will say, everybody is doing the right thing at least. You know, like, I, it opened a can of worms to, to start the transfer portal up. It, it opened a can of worms to to allow players to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But also, like, it's America. Like, if, if you're not allowed to, like, go sign an autograph for 20 bucks, like, what are we doing here? You know? Like, there's just... Uh, the way things were before were wrong. The way things are now are needing to be tweaked, needing to be cleaned up. Like, you're just trying to figure out how to mesh things together and make them work. You know, the transfer portal... Uh, it's one of those things where at the time when when you're not allowed to transfer, when you don't have the one-year transfer exception or one-time transfer exception, sorry. You know, I always thought about it as like, what are you doing? Like there's probably some kid who's miserable, who's away from his family, mental troubles, whatever you want to call it. And he's just trapped there because he knows that he's got to sit out a year and then there goes whatever he had if he had to sit out, you, you know? So you're like, ah, oh, you're trapping these kids. Every other student's allowed to transfer and now you see it and there's still people who you're like, yeah, you shouldn't be able to transfer. Like, like you made your commitment. Like, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe you fit into that category. Um, but for the most part, a lot of these people are leaving just for football reasons. And that's where, you know, you don't love it. Like, I feel like that's the part where I get the argument on either side. Um, but you can't just hold the kids hostage when they actually are going through things. And so this is the only way around it, right? Is to open it up. Or you start like a, a committee. It's like, oh, you want to transfer and, and have that, get a waiver to transfer. It's like, okay, what's what's up here? And that just opens its own can of worms. Point is, all of this stuff is just kind of in flux right now. And so we're kind of getting the negative impacts of all of it. You know, 20, 30 years from now, I don't think that we're going to be having these conversations or these same struggles or players are moving everywhere or whatever. Um, it's just, why not, right? What happens between now and then to fix that? And how do we make that change as quickly as possible so that we can stop with this hell that we are living in? Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't have any great answers. Um, so I kind of scoured the internet for good answers. Um, and I think the closest thing I got to was actually a story from Stuart Mandel uh, in The Athletic yesterday. Um, and it's a Q&A thing. Um, he's asked basically like, what's more likely that there's some sort of ruling or regulation or whatever that, that kind of levels the playing field a bit or that the opposite happens and there's less regulations and players sit out and they transfer all that sort of stuff. Um, and inside the answer, Mandel says this, um, it's going to be a messy few years as the market for player services sorts itself out, but here are three possible courses it could take. And those are the three courses that I want to talk about because again, like nobody really has any good answers right now. And it makes sense, right? Because what what the hell do you do? Um, but here's the first one. The NCAA beefs up its enforcement arm tenfold and starts going out and obtaining text messages, phone logs, bank records, and more for every coach and or staff member who may have possibly been involved in facilitating an enticement between a booster and or collective and a player he was recruiting. It's not realistic. If everyone involved was properly discreet, it may not even lead to anything. Exactly. 
And the other thing is that there's like this, uh, you know, the law is always based on precedent, right? You know, it's based on what the judges ruled before. And, you know, it's if, if there's a new unique case, it's like how close can we get to that same sort of interpretation, that same line of thinking? How can we use these other things? And so far, there just hasn't been any sort of precedent when it comes to the NCAA policies. You know, the, the big one being you have to be getting an equal, um, you know, the equal value for what you're paying out to a student athlete. And then the other one being, you know, boosters can't get involved in recruiting. Uh, so you have those two that you're really working with, I guess. And at some point, you got to start enforcing them. You know, it would have been nice if you started right away. You know, when you start looking through everything you can and saying, okay, here, this is an example of somebody who crossed the line. Now everybody knows, you know, now, hey, you up at UConn, look, this is this is how this works. And so now we know that is considered not fair. You know, if you want to give a kid $100,000 for, you know, signing his name on a shoe, well, nope, that, that doesn't work. That's not fair value. And again, like all these things are super messy you know what is fair value for that you wind up having some really tough conversations but there's there's a you could find some sort of logic to say that's not okay and then fight off the court case or whatever and at that point you could have some sort of standing when you go forward the problem now though is that this has been going on for nearly a year i think we're a month away two months away from a year and nobody's been hit with anything and you know, to be honest, I'll feel bad. I'll feel bad for whoever is the, you know, if it's the Ruiz guy from Miami, where they say, hey, this guy is advertising your law firm. You're giving him 400 grand. That's too much. And so now this kid has to sit out and be penalized um, and whatever else, even though that was never being enforced anywhere. And it's really tough to quantify. You know, when that happens, I'm going to feel bad for the guy. And it's kind of the NCAA's own fault for not jumping in and trying to enforce this. Um, I don't even think they like they didn't have like an enforcement group even. I'm sure it must fall under something else. But, um, you know, that's where you're like, ah, to be the first one to get caught for something that's kind of iffy that everybody's doing, that's a shame. But at some point, you just push needs to come to shove and it's like, okay, that's okay. That is not. That's okay. That is not. That is. that. Is. And, and then all of a sudden there's some sort of precedent and you don't have to feel so bad when somebody gets caught because they're, you know that they know that they're at least pushing it, right? Um, again, like when it comes to the recruiting stuff, it's like, yeah, if you just cover your tracks, you're going to be just fine. Like you're just not going to get caught, which is very similar to how things were before, right? Where USC or whoever could just say, hey, here's... Here's 500 grand in cash. Come to this school. Don't tell anybody. And then you just don't write it down anywhere or anything like that. So, you know, it, it is kind of back where you were. Which is the, the other piece with all of this, right? Is that it? this has kind of been going on forever. And maybe not in the same way because you don't have the transfer portal. But it's all prior to, to showing up on campus. Um but now it's just kind of out in the public. And because it's out in the public, the the few people who thought that there was a stigma or whatever, well, now all of a sudden they might jump in too. So there's more, but there, I don't think it's a whole lot more. The difference is just that you can go after guys who aren't 17. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Stuart Mandel says it's not realistic. It's like, it's not realistic to catch all of them. But 
the NCAA has so much money. If you wanted to have 100 people on some committee whose job it was to go after this stuff, hell, if you wanted to get one for every school, you know, all 130 Division One schools, and it's just like this guy's in charge of looking into this, and then maybe you have one higher up for each conference or something, and when it comes time to make a decision or ruling, you bring everybody from the conference. I don't know. Um, but come on. Like, <laughs> like blow, blow five million bucks a year if you need to just to have some threat that you're breaking the rules. But again, nobody's breaking the rules right now because there basically are no rules. And there's also no precedent for any of this being bad, right? Like nobody's been caught. So yeah, enforcement needs to start here at some point. And it does sound like that's down the road, but it's obviously not going to fix because the problem is with the whole setup itself. Um, Second piece here from Stuart Mandel. The market normalizes itself. Uh, once the sticker shock dies down, we might or we we just come to accept that schools are going to buy the players they want, whether or not it's against the rules, um, and players are going to transfer in search of a better deal, and that's just the way it is now. The problem is, if this becomes an endless cycle of the richest Power Five programs picking off the mid-tier Power Five's best players, it could have a demoralizing effect on the latter's fan bases. Um, and by demoralizing effect on the latter's fan bases, you know, nobody really cares. And then the college sports aren't worth what they were before. And you start this whole downward trend. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's like your worst case scenario, right? Probably. It's like, yeah, well, at least someday people will know what they're worth. There'll be a market and we'll have that established. And then it won't just be chaos. Right, you you won't have this guy down at Miami saying, "Oh, you know what? You're giving him that. I'm going to go in the portal," because he knows he's probably not going to get more because he knows what market value is, and so you're just stuck. And it is that that'd be terrible for Colorado, that's for sure, just because you aren't going to be getting all the the big money guys, um, the the guys who do make a lot of money. You know, they they would or eventually they earn their way to that point. They would be gone. Uh, you'd basically be a farm system. So that's not great. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I guess, yeah, that, that doesn't feel like a solution to me, right? That doesn't feel like a solution. That feels like a way to say things will get better naturally. Maybe not a lot better, but at least slightly. Um, yeah, I feel like that's all I have to say there. Then this final one, the schools themselves eventually acknowledge that infighting so doggedly all these years against pay for play. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they unwittingly created a pay for play system anyway, and one they have no control over. They drop the few remaining rules they have left and give in to paying the athletes directly, either by buying their NIL rights upon entering college or doing the unthinkable and making them salaried employees with which they collectively bargain. Um, they goes in there through some of the other stuff. Um, let's see. But yeah, I mean, you do have to worry. Like the employee stuff, again, careful what you wish for. I think he summed that up perfectly because I, I think he points out somewhere in there, like, do you want do you want student athletes getting fired? Like they actually do have some, some really nice perks because they are student athletes instead of employees, right? It's like, yeah, you show up to practice – you show up to to games, you give like a minimum level of effort. You're you're good. 
Like you're you're getting your scholarship, you're getting your free food, you're getting your free gear, and and you're gonna get your degree. So there you go. All of a sudden, you could be seeing guys get cut just because that's allowed now, when it's it's currently not. And on top of that, like the holdouts and all those sorts of things, I don't worry so much about those. It is mostly just like what happens to the kid who shows up and doesn't pan out and, and doesn't get as good a deal as he did before. Um, you know, for the Christian Gonzalez's of the world, he would not be worried about being an employee. For most of the, the Power Five guys, you wouldn't worry about any of that. Um, but at some point, it, it would impact a bunch of people somewhere. And when it comes to pay for play, I mean, at least that way you could regulate it, right? Um, you, you get kind of put in a tough spot because, like, I think if the if the NFL owners just said, you know what, the NFL players, they get 30%, or even say what it is now, they, they get 50% of all the revenue, and we'll, we'll build a salary cap and all that sort of stuff so that you hit somewhere within that range. But, but that's what we're going to design this to be is they get half of the revenue uh that's i technically illegal right because that's the you can file an antitrust lawsuit and say hey they're just working together to hold our weight hold our wages down they're putting limits on it if not for this rule then whoever jerry jones would just be given patrick mahomes 200 million bucks a year because why not the reason it works though is because the unions negotiate it so you have the the NFL players work with the the owners and then they come up with what they came up with, which is that 50%, which is why it's okay, which is why they can't sue. When it comes to college sports, if, you know, all of the, the schools came together, the NCAA, and they, they said, you know what, we can afford to pay student-athletes, let's say, you know, if we can pay football players a million dollars total. And you break that down however you want. You want to give a million dollars to the top quarterback, go right ahead. You want to give, let's see, what would that be? A thousand dollars? A thousand dollars? No. Ten thousand dollars? There we go. To everybody on the team, do that too. You want to have some scale in between with some guys get more or less? There you go. But it's all going to be even. Everybody's working with the same amount. And so we're, you're going to be fine, you know? Well, then all of a sudden, the a, any of the student-athletes could say, hey, I'd be getting more if, if this rule wasn't here, which means that you guys are colluding, and bang, you're, that's not allowed. So you would need the – this is a very long way of saying you would need to have the some sort of union for the players. And honestly, we've been trending that way for a long time, for a very long time. I mean, basically since the end of the NCAA video game, maybe even before that, but – um, how does that work? And, you know, that those negotiations would be their own whole set of chaos because obviously, like, they want to get as much money as possible. Colleges want to keep it down. Some colleges couldn't give out as much as others, so they have to find a way to balance that. So it would really come down to explaining, like, hey, you're – Look at what's happening. Like, look, if, if we allow every team to blow $15 million a year on football players, well, all the football players are going to go to these three schools um, with some others leaking out into these 15 schools with kind of that next year 
uh, kind of this bottom level of top talent. Um, you know, some of these guys will wind up with the next 30 schools after that. And those that, that group of 30 will not be competitive with those top three at all. They'll be slightly competitive with that middle group. So, you know, it would just be this kind of pyramid. And because of that pyramid, fans won't watch. You know, it would hurt attendance in the long run. And that's something that, I mean, it doesn't really impact the NFL. You know, movement doesn't impact the NFL. I, I would wonder if you saw some sort of bump, like when free agency started back in the 70s. I think it was the 70s. It must have been the 70s. Um, you know, did you see some fans say, you know what? I liked when Broncos were Broncos for 15 years, and that's it. Um, it's possible. But now what happens with college football, who knows? Because I will say, like, as you know, CU's in a dark place. They've been in a dark place for 15 years. But there's always hope, right? There's always, like, the chance that they figure it out. Um, and it's probably a process at this point instead of just like, oh, had a good year, and now we can ride that momentum. But there is always that path back toward the top, which would be gone otherwise. You know, there's other pieces going in, you know, the way recruiting works and all, all that sort of stuff. It hasn't – it's not like it's just this NIL stuff that puts CU in a bad spot. Hell, they, they would be one of the beneficiaries of it if they'd had a stronger last 15, 20 years, whatever. Um, but – now you're here, and there's no doubt that if the – it's crazy to think that the top of college football be, could become more exclusive, right? But it's what we're seeing is that it's not just that they're getting all of the top recruits, which, you know, it's like a – I always say a four-star has a 60% chance of being better than a three-star, at least like a high three-star. Um, Five-star is like the same with a four-star. Um, so – when you bring in 25 of these guys, then yeah, there's going to be a difference in terms of level of play on any given one, not so much. But that whole part of it, that goes away because the good ones all leave for the best schools anyway. And it wouldn't be all of them. Like there is still some strategy to it where, you know, Trayvon Walker, first round draft pick, he had to transfer out of Georgia just because it's like, am I getting reps here? Probably, maybe not. Or sorry, not Trayvon Walker, uh, Jermaine Johnson. So there is still some of that, but a very small amount when, he in a future year who knows maybe he could have picked up another million dollars for sticking at, at Georgia instead of going to Florida State who's to say uh so I don't know it is all a mess uh, and again like we're we're one step into this process now maybe call it two opening up the transfer portal and allowing the NIL stuff who knows what the next step is who knows what's on the way is it just Next up is cracking down on, on some of the, the real rule breakers here. This is, then step four is building a policy um, that says, here's what you can make. Here's here's how much you can make. But again, I don't like the how much you can make. Because if a kid can get a deal with Nike, well, guess what? A deal with Nike is worth a million dollars, and that's actually what he's worth. And so I don't think you can block you know a Caleb Williams for getting a deal with Nike because he is a big name, because that is his worth, and you don't want to take that away. So I don't think capping it would work because you'd have to cap it at you know fifty thousand dollars if you're capping to keep things competitive um so you couldn't cap the deal you couldn't cap I mean, the total amount would be tough for a team maybe that's how you do it but again that have to be a big number 
that's just preventing super teams. You know, if you say, ah, a team can't make $2 million in NIL deals. It's like, so you have Caleb Mil- Williams, he'll get one. You can't have two Caleb Williams on your team. Well, if you have two Caleb Williams, I don't know. Who knows? It's it's all a mess. And I am happy that I'm not the one who has to figure out what the answer is. Um, because I don't know. And nobody knows. And you just better pray somebody figures it out quickly. Um, so I think that might be it. I think that might be it. I do expect to get some more news on this sort of stuff. I mean, I think within the next week we'll probably get something. Um, and over the course of the summer, this is when you expect all these people to be kind of working through it. You know, what, what sort of stipulations can they put out there? You know, ending these booster collectives, I think that's probably something that needs to happen um, because those are just pay for play, right? And you run to some, like, how do you define, you know, what about Phil Knight? If if he's if Nike's giving a deal to Caleb Williams, that's fine. But if Caleb Williams was at Oregon, he that wouldn't be fine. Like maybe maybe say like yeah, screw him. Like <laughs> there's plenty of things that he can do. We'll be fine. Uh, so I don't know. I think that is probably the first direction I'd go. And those collectives, and maybe all boosters, boosters are not allowed to contribute to NIL deals or give out NIL deals. Again, I, I you'd see why the schools wouldn't want them, right? Because who was I saw some some of the buffs I wish I could remember who uh, promoting the Samaya Law Firm they're doing some free uh, you get free ride share back on uh, on Cinco de Mayo like you send them the receipt they'll reimburse you whatever he's promoting that but I think Samaya Law Firm has a deal with CU too so if they're that would make them a CU booster and they're also doing that, then that wouldn't be allowed. Is that what we want? Because then they probably, they some would say we're not going with student-athletes, some would say we're not going with CU. So the schools wouldn't want that because they would lose some of their sponsors, which they might be fine with. They say, hey, you, you go do this instead. Um, but couldn't be coordinated. Who knows? Who knows? But I do think that not allowing boosters to give out NIL deals, not allowing collectives, that's probably a good place to start. So we did solve it today. There we go. Good for us. Uh, if you guys have any ideas, as always, let me know. I'm I'm curious what you guys think about all this. I doubt anybody loves it. I don't think anybody likes where we're at right now. But, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll do it for today. That'll do it for today. And we will talk again tomorrow to cap off the week. See you then.